So based on that song, what would you say that this message is about? Communication. Yes. <laughs> Communicate. Just sometimes say what you need to say, right? It's hard to know how to, it sounds really simple, but it's hard to know that. Well, Nehemiah built a wall. He rebuilt a wall around the city that he loved. He saw that the people were in need and the, the, the wall of protection was coming down. And he had a heart to make a difference in that city and to follow what God asked him to do. And so he rebuilt that wall of protection around the people, around God's people. And uh, he also said in there, he said, we need to fight for our families. You know, that was thousands of years ago. And that message is just as relevant today as it was back then. God still wants us to have our families and to fight for our families and to not give up and to do, to do whatever it takes. And sometimes, sometimes that means you just need to say what you need to say, right? Well, um, how about, you know, we've, we've uh, talked to you about time, the importance of family. We're finishing up our series on family today. That's what the, the series has been for several weeks. We've talked about how important time is, how important it is to uh, attend to strained relationships. We talked about how important it is uh, for our children and family and being a protective covering for our children. And how about last week, our students? That was, that was amazing. Our children and our students and, uh, you know, part of this rebuild at Salem Fields has been to intentionally focus on rebuilding our student ministry because Buddy and I and the rest of our staff in this place believe in students. And they're not a lost cause, and we still need to fight for our students. We need to fight for our children, and that's just what we're all about here at Salem Fields. So last week we saw our, our students. I want to say thanks to them and thanks to the parents that bring your students because you value teaching them about Jesus. You value having them in church. I want to thank you, and I want to thank Trent and Dee uh, for their leadership. We're so thankful that God brought them our way. And they are doing what it takes to rebuild our student ministry. So it's really amazing. And do you remember Trent's message? Three things that you need to have in your home be living out. Yes, pretty simple, isn't it? So today, as we uh, conclude our series on family, I'm calling this message, We Win. We Win. Not I Win, not You Win, but We Win. <laughs> Capital W, capital E, we win together. Now, unlike that game, Family Feud, families do not win when they're competing against one another. When one person is just against the other person and they're tearing each other down, families don't win that way. They, they don't win going against each other. Families win with each other. And that is really, really challenging. So today, we're going to look at two skills that everyone has to develop in order to contribute in a family that will nurture that family system, uh, the parents, the children, so that we can work together. It's just all you have to remember today is two words, two necessary skills that each one of us need to develop, and that is cooperation and communication. So say that. Cooperation, communication. When you walk away, you know two skills that we all need to develop is 
Yes. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Just a very simple definition of cooperation is this. Just working together for a common good. We have a common goal. And the common goal is unity for these relationships to work well. But we never give up on our relationships. No matter what it takes, we're going to work together and not against each other. Because it's really important to learn this little golden nugget. The person is not the problem. The problem is the problem. And so when we make the person the problem, we will split apart. But if we understand that we have a problem here, we're not getting along. That's our problem. Then the two people come together and they say, how can we work together to not destroy you, but to come together and attack that problem? Get it? I mean, that's a simple little thing. And I think if we can remember that and keep that in our minds, the person is not the problem. Even if you're at work, even if you're at church, even in your home, the person is not the problem. The problem is the problem. And how can I attack that? And so cooperation is working together for that common good. Now, what are some examples of cooperation in your home? Had cl cleaning? Wow, you both clean together? No, or? We got a chore list for the kids. Too. Oh, okay. So, so everybody knows their responsibility, and that works like clockwork, right? I mean, everybody just gets up on Saturday morning and says, Mom, I'm... Oh, okay. It's not like Devin says, Oh, Mom, I'm so thankful that you've given me a chore to do today. Right? <laughs> That's right. It's an effort to cooperate. I know when I was growing up, uh, one of the things that we had to cooperate with, I had a big family, and we had one car, and we would travel to Delaware and to Ohio and to Florida, and we would all pile in that car, and uh, we had to cooperate. That's the first time I ever heard the word lambaste, because my dad would say, if you don't stop that, I'm going to lambaste you. I never did know what that word meant. But I knew that we better pay attention to that. And, we had, and it's interesting because the Colemans were, came from Baltimore last night. And after this message we were talking about, they had just traveled in a car together as a family. And I just, I said, if I could have had a video camera on your dash, a dash cam watching you guys. So that whole cooperation thing in one car. So how do we get the solution to that? We buy multiple cars, right? <laughs> so that we don't have to ride together. We don't have to wait on someone. And that's kind of how our culture has gone. We also had one TV. We had to cooperate on which show are we going to watch. I get to watch the one I want to watch today. You know, and, and, but we have become such an individualistic society. We all have our devices and we don't have to be patient with another person because we've got control over our device, right? And we, we, our culture is just inundating us with being individual. I mean, Buddy and I now have three cars. The one that he was going to sell when he got his car is still sitting. We've got three cars. My neighbor has four people in their home. They've got four cars sitting in their driveway. That's what we do now. We go our own way and we become individuals and that cooperation thing goes out the window. Think of the roadway systems, right? Sometimes I think about this, you probably don't, but when I'm sitting at a stoplight or I'm sitting at a stop sign, I'm thinking, wow, this was designed for public cooperation. Have you ever thought about that? You don't think about those things, do you? Yeah, it, but, but they are designed 
so that we can have a safe experience, right? They are. But what happens when somebody goes outside of those safety design uh, speeds or doesn't follow a merge uh, arrow or what happens? Chaos. Chaos. Disaster. It does. Now, you know, in Colorado last year alone, just one state, Colorado, uh, we know that a lot of people go outside that design. 74,461 calls to law, law enforcement for road rage. 74, almost 75,000 calls. That's 204 calls a day. So we know that there's a lot of chaos out there, right? And it's because people are not following those safeguards that are set up on the roadways to cooperate. The same thing happens in families. There have been godly guidelines that have been given in the Bible. God loves us that much to bring safety and balance to people and to our families. And when we follow when everyone says, I want to follow that guideline, <laughs> everyone thrives. But when we go outside of that, and parents do it as much as children do, uh, chaos happens. But if, when we can learn that we all win together and we all lose together, really, it's about being together. It's about being together, and it's about cooperating. Now, Colin and I are always coming up with some little things, and we came up with a video game that uh, takes cooperation, vocal cooperation, and last night it was kind of fun because I called the staff up. So what staff people do I have in here now? Do I have any staff people? Oh, okay. Come on up, guys. Now, here's how this works. Um, they're all going to stand around this microphone, and... Um, they, the fruit, the basket is controlled, is voice controlled. And they, the louder they go, yeah, it's all about volume, isn't it? The louder they go, the faster the basket moves, and so forth. So they'll have a couple of chances. The louder it goes, the farther it goes. Yeah, so everybody stand around together. You're going to cooperate. So if you go loud, it goes to the right. No, <laughs> see, now you can already see what's happening with their cooperation. <laughs> Just make some observations, everybody, okay? All right, they're going to get 30 seconds. Now, remember, this is voice activating. They've got to cooperate together in order to do this. their own score. What was the score last night of the 220? Okay, they're, they're trying they're trying to beat last night's Let's score of 220. Okay, try another round. Here you go.
Congratulations, Rich. That buddy ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I heard Jody directing. I heard her say, quieter, quieter. <laughs> so would you guys say that you all cooperated or were you in it for yourselves? <laughs> Even working together. Now, uh, when we tried this game out, it was Diego and Tone, and uh, they did it on their own. And uh, what I discovered was it was a whole lot easier for them to do this game on their own. Why is that? You don't have to worry about somebody else. Exactly. People are difficult, aren't they? <laughs> Working with other people is tough. I think Diego got somewhere up in the 500s. And uh, then Tone did it, and he, he did pretty well. And then the four of us, Colin, me, Tone, and Diego did it. And um, before we were finished, Tone and Diego had just backed out because my voice and Colin's voice was so strong and so loud. And so what does that tell you about tone and day? You can get all kinds of observations from this. You understand what I'm saying? But here's what we know. You could probably score higher all by yourself, right? And that's what our culture says to do. Be an individual. You can do it on your own. You don't have to be patient with other people except for one thing. If we're looking at the Bible and what Jesus asks us to do, he says we're to love one another, and what does that mean? There's only one way we can love one another, and that's to cooperate with one another. Because you, you can't love one another all by yourself. You can love yourself, but you, you're not loving other people. And what does that mean then? That is tough. It's hard because people are hard to get along with, right? Yet God calls us to cooperate. In the New Testament alone, 11 times it says, love one another. And that means that we have to make a commitment to one another in our families. When they get on our last nerve, do we want them to change? Or are we going to look at ourselves? Or how are we going to make this? Uh-oh, already getting a hug over there. <laughs> I love watching the heads turn in this, and it'll get even a little more intense here in a few minutes. But uh, it, it, it takes giving up a little bit of what I want. When you're all by yourself, you don't have to. You can have anything you want. But when I'm working with someone else, I have to give a little. We don't like that. And, and I have to be mindful, and I have to learn how to be respectful, not to jump on people right out of the blue. Or, um, you know, I, I have to learn to be respectful of, of other people. When I'm doing it by myself, I don't have to worry about anybody else, do I? This cooperation thing is tough, yet Jesus says it's what we're to do. Now, Jesus never asks us to do anything that he also doesn't give us some guidelines and some directives on. And so there is no better ultimate example of cooperation than the body of Christ. And he lays it out, Paul lays it out very clearly for us in 1 Corinthians 12. And I'm just going to read that, and it's up here. But I'm just going to blast through this. It says, our bodies have many parts. But the many parts make up only one body. Think about that. I want you to think about family. There are a bunch of different parts, but it's one unit. 
Okay, so it is with the body of Christ. Each of us is a part of the one body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. What that means is we're all different. Different temperaments, different personalities, different heights, different ages. We're all different. But the Holy Spirit has fitted us all together into one body. We've been baptized into Christ's body by the one Spirit and have all been given the same Holy Spirit. Yes, the body has many parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. You know, you might say you're something else, but that doesn't... You might say I'm not part of this family, but it doesn't change the fact that you are and you're an important part. I'm, uh, if the foot says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. But what would you think if you heard an ear say, I'm not part of the body because I'm only an ear and not an eye? Would that make it any less part of the body? Suppose the whole body were an eye. Suppose everyone was just like you, <laughs> had the same temperament, had the same looks exactly. Uh, suppose, suppose that. Then uh, if, if everything was an eye, then how would, where am I at? Suppose the whole body were an eye, then how would you hear? Or if your whole body were just one big ear, how could you smell anything? But that isn't the way God has made us. He's made us in many parts for our bodies and has put each part just where he wants it. What a strange thing a body would be if it only had one part. See, we're all different. So he has made many parts, but still there is only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you because every part is significant and important. And every part is there for a purpose. So I want to draw just three quick conclusions on that. First of all, a family has to have more than one part. You can't be a family all by yourself. That's not a family. You're a person, but you're not a family. It takes two or more people to be a family. And it's only complete when the parts are put together properly. And God designed us to have a, a, a healthy balance of how those parts are to be put together. Secondly, each part is completely different, completely different. Yet each part has significance and purpose and importance. And we have to be careful about how we value or devalue the different parts in that family or in that body. And the third thing is crucial. It's the Holy Spirit that's the common bond. The only way we're going to have balance and unity in a unit is for each person, each part, to call on the Holy Spirit to be the glue. I can tell you this, when relationships break down, when things happen and, and, and there are breaks in relationship, someone did not call on the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the only way that we will ever have unity. And also in the body, in the family unit, also in the body, 
there's no competition. And that's really rare because our world is set up on top dog, on who's the best. Number one singer in the world, American Idol, what, or voice, or what, whatever. We have one winner, don't we? We're set up that way. But in the body, in the family, there's no competition. We're not jealous. We don't look over and say, oh, I wish I was an eye. Or, man, I'd love to be a foot. I'm just a hand. Or I'm just... That doesn't happen in God's kingdom, in his economy. That doesn't happen because it clearly says if one part suffers, everybody suffers. And, and if one part is honored, everybody gets the credit. Everybody's honored. Can you imagine living like that in the body of Christ and in our homes? See, the common good, the common goal, just like the body of Christ, is to seek unity. And there's only one way to find unity and to value each person. And when we allow Christ to be the head, that's how it is here. Christ, Jesus Christ is the head. He's the leader. He's the head of this church. Buddy and I are subject to him. We're under his authority. And we've had to learn how to allow the Holy Spirit to take two very different people and to be the leaders. Yeah, you've got leaders that are two big toes, right? <laughs> They're two big toes. And we've had to learn how to make those big toes work for us, for the body. And the only way that we've been able to do that is through the unity and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the example that we have for our families and our homes. And we've become a society that's a whole lot easier to do things alone because then we don't have to have patience. Relationship work is annoying, right? I mean, be honest. It is annoying. It is hard. It is hard work. That's where commitment comes in. Are we willing to do that? Our, our culture promotes breaking relationship and moving on instead of staying and doing the tough work. I mean, how many times have Buddy and I wanted to just leave and move on? We don't need to deal with that. But we said, that's not what God has called us to do. We stay. And as we've stayed, he has changed us. Instead of us changing, he has changed us. Because we've had to stick it out and say, what do I need to look at inside of me that God needs to transform? And it's brutal. It's brutal. And I can tell you, very few people take that roadway today because our culture gives permission for people to break relationship and move on. And I would love to do that too, except the word says something completely different. And I want to follow what God calls me to do. You know, there was a, really, this fam, the family is supposed to re reflect and represent the body of Christ. And there was a father in a youth group years ago. And this was really insightful to me. He stood up one day and he said, you know, when I realized that my wife and my children are my brothers and sisters in Christ, it completely changed the way I viewed them. Completely changed the way that I interacted with them. See, we're really good at seeing a lack of cooperation in others, especially our children. But are we really looking at ourselves and saying, what are our children seeing in us? 
Do I know how to cooperate at work? Do I know how at church to cooperate, maybe give a little bit up of myself, or if I need to say what I need to say and communicate directly with the person that I'm ticked off about? Do they see me doing that? Or do they just hear me saying, blaming somebody else for what they've done to me? I can promise you this. Whatever we do, they do. Whatever we do is what they'll learn. If we're passive aggressive, they'll learn to be passive aggressive. If we are a blamer, they'll learn to blame. If we talk about other people behind their backs and don't deal with the problem directly, they'll learn to do that too. They're taking our lead. And so what that says to me is, I better take a look. I better have a little self-awareness of what's going on because I can promise you this, a little self-awareness will diffuse narcissism. It will diffuse pointing our finger at everyone else and being so good at saying what everybody else is. But cooperation begs to have good, clear communication. We have to have good communication in order to cooperate well, which brings us to our second point. Only two points today. What are they? And we're at communication. Simple definition. Good communication conveys and exchanges thoughts and feelings honestly, directly, and respectfully. I've spent a lifetime as a professional counselor teaching people how to do this, but I can promise you in my personal life, it's so challenging. It is so hard. I can remember after family arguments, I can remember coming down and saying, God, how do you expect us to get this? It's so frustrating. It's so difficult. Yet the important thing is that we commit to to get this. And we will never perfect it. And I think God designs it that way. We'll never get it perfect. We have to keep working at it. And the reason we have to keep working at it is because that develops intimacy in relationships. Intimacy is not all the little birds flying around and the music. (laughs) Intimacy is when we've worked through a problem, a difficult problem together, and we're on the same page, and we come out of that and say, wow, we didn't kill each other. (laughs) And you know what? We're overcoming this problem bit by bit by bit. Very few people want to do the hard work of that. Why? Because people are tough. People are hard. I'd rather just do this on my own. My brother says he's been living by himself for, I think, 17 years now, and he said, I've never been in trouble once. (laughs) And I said, and you haven't grown in 16 years either. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) But we had those conversations. The Bible is filled. And I didn't put this in your notes, but this is worthy of writing down. Three simple ways to communicate. The Bible is filled with clear directives on how to communicate well. The first one is to listen. And not just, yeah, 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 listen. I'm talking about active listening, where you have eye contact. And just a simple little skill to say, now what I'm hearing you say is, da, 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 da. And that person will say, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. Or, yeah, you got it. Simple. That shows that you truly listen. God wants us to listen for him. 
Listening is a skill that we really don't practice much. It goes in one, especially for our children. They are so valuable that you need to hear their heart. Hear their heart. I remember a little girl sitting out here. She's grown and has children now. She was in the child care, and she sat out there, and she was just crying her little eyes out. And she said, my dad just doesn't understand that sometimes children forget to do things. My heart broke. I will never forget that. Because he wasn't listening. He wasn't giving her some grace. Yeah, kids do forget. But honey, when you forget, let's just do it again. You, you see what I'm saying? It takes a lot of patience. So listen, practice. You know, don't put your, put your device down. If somebody, Diego and I did this this morning, he said, I'm listening to you. I just need to answer Jody's <laughs> text. And, and I knew he was listening to me because he can do two things at one time. But if we could just practice looking in each other's eyes, and I'm going to give you a little tool that will help you do that in a little bit. But listen is the first one. Simplify. Simplify. I'm going to help you simplify. But a, a great scripture says, but let your yes... I grew up with this. My dad told me this. He told me, uh, you know, like curse words were words like darn and heck. And those, we were not allowed to say those words. He said, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Everything else is unnecessary. It's what I learned. It was a little narrow, a little rigid. But I learned that it's really about simplifying your words. Ladies, your words, you've got a lot more words than men do, right? Buddy and I sat in the car this morning before we ever came in, and we talked about it. I said, I like conversations. And, and he said, nothing. <laughs> so, so we have to learn how to, you know, I write these one-minute spots for B101, and it has taught me how to say one little thing in one minute. It takes practice. We need to practice how to simplify what we say. And then thirdly, listen, simplify, and speak up. You know, Esther in the Bible, just, uh, I'm reading through the Bible, and I was in Esther not too long ago, and this just jumped off the page to me. And we have to learn this. It's basically say what you need to say. Sometimes you need to speak up for yourself. Sometimes you need to say something when you're not saying something. Okay, so we're going to do a fun little thing. And uh, <clears throat> this is always fun. You can identify yourself. Now, I can promise you it's going to be easier to identify other people in your family than it is for yourself. I had people come out last night and say, well, I know what she is, but I, I don't know what I am. <laughs> and she said, well, I know what you are. <laughs> so here we go, all right? The first one is a chameleon. Now, isn't that lovely? Um, Colin stayed away from lunch one day just to draw all of these. And I said, come on, God. But he did. Colin drew all these for me. The first one is a chameleon. Now, the chameleon blends into every environment. The chameleon is very non-assertive. It really agrees with what anyone says, you know, doesn't bring about any contention, except inside they're kind of angry, you know, but they don't know how to say what they need to say. The chameleon is just the pleaser. The chameleon is the one that doesn't want to say anything because they're afraid of what somebody's going to say back or, or whatever. The chameleon just blends in. Okay, that's the chameleon. The second one is the gorilla. Now, that's been in the news a lot. Try to get beyond that right now. But the gorilla is the one that is going to win at any cost. 
I'm going to, I'm going to wear you down, babe. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to fight to the very end because somehow the gorilla needs to be the best. And when we have to be the winner, we got, we're trying to prove a whole lot to somebody. That's what the gorilla does. Okay, the, the third one is the owl. Now, the owl is the logical intellectualizer. The owl is facts only. Forget about the feelings. Let's just talk about the facts. Uh-oh, heads are turning. <laughs> Let's just, you know, the, the feelings, though, this person is very, has lots of feelings, but they're all stuffed way down in. They're stuffed. Oh, heads turned again. <laughs> it's fun to watch you guys. Uh, the, the behavior is very pro proper. Uh, they're calm and super rational on the outside, and they just stick with, let's just talk about the facts, okay? Now, the next one is the skunk. Now, the skunk just comes out, attacks, and stinks the place up, and then moves on. You know how skunks are. And the people around them are terrified. I am personally terrified of being sprayed by a skunk. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but there's one out here somewhere. And uh, anyway, I don't want that to ever happen in my whole lifetime. But this is a style of communication that some people have where they will just attack. And the next one is the turtle. And the turtle, what does the turtle do? Hides. Yes, he has this nice little shell that he can go. Why do I say he? <laughs> Because it's she's too. But uh, uh, mainly because skunks and turtles marry each other, <laughs> they do. And the more the skunk sprays, the more the turtle hides. The turtle is the one that is terrified of conflict. Um, uh, but here's, here's the deal. The turtle is the one that is most in control. They are controlling the situation, oh, with, <laughs> with their silence. It's the silent treatment. Nobody can move anywhere when there's silent treatment going on. That is powerful. They are in control. So even though they're afraid of conflict, they're controlling it. Get it? Now, the whole point of all of these is that they're extreme cases of how we tend to interact with other people. And like I said, skunks and turtles marry each other. But like for Buddy and I, it was a skunk and a turtle. <laughs> and over the years, hopefully 41 years, have helped us become a skirtle. <laughs> We're united. We're one. We've come together. We're a skirtle. We still don't do it real well, but at least we're getting it a little better. And that's the point, is that if we know what this is, that's not a bad thing. We can move a little closer. We can, now we know what we need to take before the Lord and say, God, please help me. Please give me the strength as I work on not spraying and stinking the place up. Please help me. Give me the strength. He's not going to do it for us. He will give us the strength as we step out. Please give me the strength to engage in that conversation just a little bit more. God, help me if I'm an owl to really tune in to what are those feelings inside of me that I'm hiding behind a bunch of facts. You understand what I'm saying? 
If we can start here. Okay, so how many people identified themselves? I put a little blank in your notes that you can write that down. Only about a third of you identified yourself. Okay, now ask your spouse and they will tell you, or your boyfriend or girlfriend, they will tell you what you are. <laughs> okay? <laughs> because other people see that in us. But if that is unchecked, we will move into bad cycles of relationship that's this, a bad, bad cycle, which is what? And if you're frustrated going round and round and round, it's probably because you've got in this and you haven't done the work internally to figure out what you need to surrender to the Lord and what you need help with. A little self-awareness will go a long way. We develop those bad habits. So I'm going to give you in your notes there, this is a take-home. This is not going to cost you a dime. If you were at a counselor's office, you'd have to pay me a hundred bucks. So this is free, okay? But it's a little take-home. If you would take the time to sit down and whatever that thing is that you're in that cycle, you, you need to throw a wrench into that to get it to stop. And here's how you do it. You sit down and you put in as few words as possible as you, and you answer these questions. A repeated argument or frustration I have is, I know exactly what mine is. And then you put, when we argue, I feel. Now, the most difficult thing that I've found for any of us to do is to identify the real feeling word. We were never trained to do that. If you want a feelings list from me, I can send it to you. Because it's easier to look at a piece of paper and say, yeah, that's what I feel, than it is for people to pull it out of their experience. It shows that we need some work in that area. Because we don't know how to say what we need to say. And we say it in all different ways that really attack people or devalue ourselves. And then, little self-awareness here, I usually react by... How do you react? I, I usually react by attacking. Or I react by hiding. And then put, when I'm upset, the story I tell myself is, I'm not loved, I'm not wanted. We need to be able to say what it really is. That will nurture our relationships. That will change our lives. And then simply these assertiveness skills. When, and then you can present that. When you da-da-da-da-da, I feel da-da-da-da-da. And I wish that we could just sit down and talk about this. And I can promise you, if you do that work, that's why, they, that's why uh, God allowed Matthew 18 to be in the Bible. Because when two people can come to the table and say, you know what, we've got a problem and here's how I've contributed to get us to that problem. It changes everything. You know, I've had people in my office for years, and especially couples, and he'll tell me what she's done, and she'll tell me what he's done, and, 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 and I'll say, don't even need to go there. Tell me what you've done. Tell me what you've done. It gets really silent. But Matthew 18 says, you come to the table, you present that, and the Holy Spirit is who you have in common. 
It takes humility. It takes a willingness. And I can tell you this, it works. It works when people are willing to do that. The Bible says, but the Holy Spirit has fitted us together into one body. God does not desire that we split relationships, whether they're family, whether they're in a church, even if you leave your job, you don't have to break relationship. You do it respectfully. The Holy Spirit living in us is our common bond. Honestly, it's the most challenging thing. It sounds easy because it's only two words. It's just like faith, hope, and love in your home. To practice that takes a lifetime. To communicate and to cooperate well takes a lifetime. You'll never perfect it. I will never perfect it. God designed it that way. And it says in verse 27, now here's what I'm trying to say. All of you together are the one body of Christ, and each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. Everybody's important. Here's the bottom line. We all need to get better at communication and cooperation, don't we? We just do. And it takes a willingness on our part. It's why we come together as the body of Christ and we allow somebody to challenge us to grow deeper in him. You know, when we can all admit that and then know that there are places in our own lives and we stop pointing out in everyone else and we grab hold of the Holy Spirit and allow him to lead us through, that's when God can really show the world that this thing really works. It really does work. And you know, it all begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's why I'm a pastor and not just a mental health professional. Because the first step is to ask Jesus Christ to come in as our Lord and Savior. He is the power. The Holy Spirit then comes to give us the power. He is the glue that will hold our relationships together. It's very humbling. See, fighting for our families means that with God's grace, I'll choose to do my part. I talked about this when we have strained relationships. You know, we can't change what somebody else does. The only thing we can change is what we choose to do. And so... By God's grace, if we can say fighting for my family means that I will do my part. And according to his will, I'll follow him. And so as we close out, I don't know where, the, <laughs> here you go. <laughs> I had to call him out again last night. <laughs> as we close out, we're closing out this series, but it doesn't close out the necessity of us to focus on our families. And to do our part and to do whatever we can to fight for our families and to not let our relationships split. It's tough, but it's possible. It's possible. And not many want to go down that road because it's hard work. But you get to choose. Are you willing to do that or not? Let's stand together and worship. I don't know, maybe you need to pray during this time. Maybe you need to just go to the Lord and say, God, help me and give me the strength to be able to make the changes in my life that I need to make. Maybe you just need to pray for your family to fight for your family, whatever. Let's just worship together. Oh, Jesus.